Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. A quick thing here right at the top. I just want to say a quick thank you to you because you made it possible today for us to donate $25,000 to the Texas Elementary School Shooting Victims Fund. Also, major props to everyone that's been able to donate, whether it be individuals or large organizations like Creator Clash, I believe, did $50,000. Teddy Fresh did $119,000 by selling a shirt and donating all the profits. And obviously, the only real win here would be if we didn't have to raise money because there were no victims because a shooting didn't happen. But it is good to see people coming together to try and help those that have been impacted. But on that solemn note, we still have a show today, so let's just jump into it. You know, the first thing today is, of course, we talked about the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard defamation trial and verdict yesterday, going through some of the reactions from the public, as well as the two at the center of the case, and with all that, y'all were sounding off in the comments. With people like Evan Edinger writing, I am honestly surprised people exist who are upset with the verdict. Really makes me wonder what world they're living in or what trial they watch. And Cooler saying, I saw someone give a great response to a Depp v. Heard article claiming that this case told women to be quiet about abuse. They said something to the effect of, no, one should never have to be quiet about abuse. What this case has shown is that one does not lie about abuse. One does not manipulate, gaslight, bully, and intimidate their way through something like this. No matter the gender of the abuser or the victim of the abuse. With many of you pointing to this video from the trial. I mean, you can please tell people that it was a fair fight and see what the, ju see what the jury and judge thinks. Tell the world, Johnny. Tell them Johnny Depp. I, Johnny Depp, Man, I, I'm a victim too of domestic violence, and yes. I, you know, it's a fair fight. And see how many people believe or side with you. And while right now the majority of the opinion online is very much and has been in Johnny Depp's corner, there are also people who have expressed concern or disgust with the verdict, as well as a public reaction, including the likes of Michael Hobbs, who put out an article titled The Bleak Spectacle of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp Trial. How a washed-up celebrity, men's rights activist, and true crime stands convinced millions of Americans to buy into a conspiracy theory. And while the whole piece is a very long read, I'll link to it down below so you can see kind of the full context, a number of people who support it have been pointing to specific parts. Like near the end where Michael wrote, so how did Heard lose such a winnable case? Two words, jury trial. In hindsight, the verdict came down the minute the judge allowed the case to be televised. Jurors weren't sequestered or sheltered from the internet in any way, meaning they were likely exposed to the same bad faith memes and out of context clips as everyone else. Plus, this case has been swirling around the internet for years, making an impartial jury an impossibility in the first place. And writing, one man was allowed to stay in the jury pool after revealing a text from his wife that read, Amber is psychotic. Though we've already seen a number of people pushing back against this narrative saying, no, I didn't just see clips, I was live streaming the whole thing. And saying, how could the jury be misled by clips when they were actually there the whole time in person? Right, because whether people are watching the direct feed or they're watching some of their favorite commenters live stream this thing, a lot of people are watching the whole bit. Which, regarding people watching this, it may not be over because Amber Heard wants to appeal yesterday's decision. Right, following yesterday's decision, we saw... Is she able to pay a $10.4 million judgment? Oh no, absolutely not. With Heard's team wanting to appeal the verdict and even arguing that the crazy social media blitz surrounding this trial impacted the jury. With Heard's attorney Elaine Bredehoff saying that Heard had excellent grounds for an appeal, arguing that Depp's team was able to suppress evidence, including medical records, and adding... She was demonized here. A number of things were allowed in this court that should not have been allowed, and it caused the jury to be confused. As well as saying they weren't allowed to tell the jury about the previous UK judgment that came down against Depp and in favor of Heard, and when asked if she thought social media swayed the jury or if the jury saw the online conversations about the trial, she added, How can you not? They went home every night. They have families. The families are on social media. We had a 10-day break in the middle because of the judicial conference. There's no way they couldn't have been influenced by it. And it was 
horrible. It, it really, really was lopsided. With those comments, of course, drawing the big, big reactions you would expect. And so regarding those reactions and the updates that we're seeing today, I'd love to know your thoughts and where you stand on this. But here's what I'll say at the very least. I understand a lot of different people having a lot of different viewpoints, but the, the one thing that definitively makes me feel like disgusted with this are the people that are excited to treat this as entertainment. Like I think there are a lot of people that were watching because of one or multiple reasons, including they were conflicted. They wanted to be informed. They wanted to see what truth was going to come out. They wanted to see just Justice served. But when people were sending me tweets like, like this one that read, I'm actually sad this trial is coming to an end, sad face. That kind of thinking is confusing to me. I even reached out to that creator to be like, hey, can you expand on your thoughts? Because people are, you know, gonna draw their own conclusions. Haven't heard back. But yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on any and all aspects of this story. And then you've got Harry Styles, right? It's been known that he's a fan of older women, but also he is a fan of older musical formats, and it absolutely makes sense. His new album, Harry's House, just made over $7 million in the US in its first week. 4.49 million dollars of that was from vinyl sales 182,000 vinyl records that is the most vinyl sold over that same time period since they started keeping track of it 31 years ago really highlighting quality over quantity from just over 253 million streams is estimated that he only made 1.3 million and so i guess it really is like my wife said while looking at a photo of harry styles some people just understand older is better and then do you remember michael avenatti right he reps stormy daniels he was on tv every day railing against then president trump there were even murmurings that he may well run for the presidency. And well, uh, the only thing Mike's gonna be the president of anytime soon is his prison's book club. Because Mike just got sentenced to another two and a half years in prison on top of the two and a half years he's already serving right now. And as far as why, as the AP explained, Stormy Daniels signed a book deal that provided an $800,000 payout, with prosecutors saying that he illegally pocketed about $300,000 of her advance. And unfortunately for Avenatti, this rodeo ain't over because while he is now serving time for what he did to Stormy Daniels and for trying to extort Nike, he also faces a retrial in California on charges that he cheated clients and others of millions and millions of dollars. And then, you know, this morning I posted a photo, a lot of people going, Phil, what are you doing? You look great. Daddy DeFranco, yas. Happy Pride Month. Well, uh, part of it has to do with today's fantastic sponsor, Seed. Y'all, Seed is awesome. They combined a probiotic and a prebiotic to form their DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic, and it's designed to provide benefits beyond the gut, right? I've been taking Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic for some time now. I feel great. Their unique two-in-one capsule and capsule design uses an outer prebiotic capsule that protects the inner 24-strain probiotic through digestion, pass your stomach acid for 100% survivability into your colon, whereas most other probiotics actually die in your stomach. Like I said, seed goes beyond gut health to promote heart health, but I have to say the most support is my gut health. Right? think, do you want healthy regularity, ease of bloating, all that stuff? And when you order, in your first month, you get this refillable glass jar or travel case vial and a 30-day supply, and after that, they send refills packaged with sustainable biodegradable materials. Now, unfortunately, my wife says I can't give you my seed. Just logistically, there is not enough to go around, but... The good news is that you can get your own over at seed.com slash DeFranco and use code DeFranco to get 15% off your first month's supply of Seed's DSO-1 plus free shipping. And then in what the fuck news, let's talk about France because across the country, at least 300 people have reported being jabbed by needles in recent months at nightclubs and concerts and nobody knows what's going on. Reportedly, you have people either experiencing symptoms like grogginess or, you know, noticing a bruise and then going to the hospital where they confirm that there is evidence of a needle prick. Now, luckily, when they get tested for HIV or hepatitis, it's coming back negative, but right now it's 
it's unclear why this is happening. And to further deepen the mystery, people have reported this in several different cities, hundreds of miles apart with no obvious links to one another. With most of the victims being women, though none have reported sexual assault, so that doesn't appear to be the goal as well. And so right now, police haven't discovered any needles, suspects, or possible motives. With the governments of Britain, Belgium, and the Netherlands investigating cases of needles spiking there too. So yeah, that's a random anxiety-inducing thing that's happening with uh, seemingly no motive or end in sight. Fun times. And then, remember when Joe Biden said he was gonna cancel student debt? Well, uh, he still has not done that, except he has for some. And actually, it is the single largest one-time discharge ever made by the Department of Education, amounting to $5.8 billion for 560,000 people. And as far as if you were a part of that over half a million people, the answer is no, unless you went to the for-profit school known as Corinthian Colleges. And this isn't the first time the Corinthian Colleges has been targeted with many people already eligible for debt relief schemes by the Department of Education. Now, thanks to this new plan, it just makes sure that anyone that ever attended Corinthian College is covered. The school, which has since gone out of business, having been accused by the Department of Education of misleading students. Promising that its credits would be transferable, which was largely untrue, and also lying about their post-graduation job placement rate. Now, despite being very helpful to hundreds of thousands of people, many are also unhappy with this decision. And this, ranging from the, the classic anti-debt forgiveness group people saying things like, what the hell is next? How much more burden could the law-abiding, tax-paying, hard-working middle-class handle? These loan takers need to pay back their debt and not spread it to us who have paid our school loans. But then, with even people on the other side who want debt relief, they feel like this isn't enough. Pointing out, rightly, that he has failed to deliver on his campaign promises to cancel student debts. Right, because he has made multiple times very, very broad claims about canceling debt, and so far he's canceled about $25 billion since January of 2021 for students who are largely defrauded by their for-profit schools. Which can seem like a large number, except for the fact that student borrowers still hold $1.75 trillion in debt, leading campaigners to demand that he forgive up to $50,000 per borrower, but his administration, if anything, is never going to do that, and instead is looking at maybe doing $10,000 per. But here's the thing, Philip DeFranco here to make everything worse for you, no matter what the Biden administration does, specifically with debt, they do nothing, they forgive 50,000, just 10,000, none of this does anything to address the issue that the price to attend college has skyrocketed over the decades. Like college tuition over the last few decades is looking at this current rate of inflation and they're like, rookie numbers. That's cute. Because the main point of this story is money is fake, nothing is real, and somehow yet everyone is still fucked. Except uh, the people that are creating the problem. And then finally, today we need to talk about the least surprising news, another mass shooting in America. This time happening at St. Francis Medical Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In total, 10 people were injured, five were killed, including the shooter. It currently, it's believed that those numbers will not rise as every injured victim has already been treated and released. And overall, there are still a lot of unknowns in this situation, but let's talk about what we do know. According to a press conference this morning by Tulsa Chief of Police, Wendell Franklin, on May 19th, the shooter went to the hospital for back surgery carried out by Dr. Preston Phillips. And by May 24th, he was released. However, following the surgery, the shooter complained to the hospital about back pain and wanted more treatment. On May 31st, he went for a follow-up to address the back pain. Then yesterday, the killer calling again to complain about the back pain, wanting more assistance. And reportedly, by 2 p.m., he had purchased an AR-15 style weapon from a local gun store. And at around 4.50 p.m., nearly three hours after buying the rifle, the shooter was in the hospital complex and shooting people. Now, unlike what happened in Uvalde, police seem to have reacted quickly. At 4.52 p.m., someone who was in a video chat with a doctor in the building called 911 to report the shooting. Following that, there were more and more calls, and by 4.56, police were at the scene and had info about what building the shooter was in and what floor he was on. They then quickly entered the building, and by 4.58, just 30 seconds after entering the building and yelling, Tulsa police, they heard one final gunshot that they assumed was the shooter ending his own life. And within minutes, officers from agencies all around Tulsa, including the FBI, ATF, and nearby tribal lands were on the scene. Also, granting us insight into the killer's mindset, reportedly the shooter left a note blaming his new back pain on Dr. Phillips and wanted to kill him and anyone who got in his way. And in the end, Dr. Preston Phillips, Dr. Stephanie Hewson, receptionist Amanda Glenn, and William Love, who was a patient, were all killed. With police claiming that the patient held a door closed so someone else could escape while the shooter attempted to get in. Also, obviously, there are many 
questions about firearms, with the shooter being able to purchase a gun and use it in that same day just hours after, leading many to demand that at the very least waiting periods be implemented. Although, of note, he did buy a pistol on May 29th, so it seems like he was pretty intent on making this happen and had other means to do it already. And so with this, and most notably the last three weeks worth of shootings, it's not a surprise that we've seen House Democrats pushing for gun legislation, although, as we've mentioned before, they're nearly all dead on arrival without Republican support. But that hasn't stopped House Speaker Nancy Pelosi from pushing for legislation, saying at a rally yesterday, of course we want the Senate to pass the background check legislation, which will save more lives than any of the initiatives we have, with Pelosi adding that she'll be introducing a new assault weapons ban next week, although, once again, very likely not going to pass. But for the sake of conversation, let's say if any firearms legislation does pass, it will then likely have to face its final boss, the Supreme Court. Now, the current makeup of the Supreme Court would go... That's an unknown. Historically, the Supreme Court rarely takes cases about guns, but it's actually set to rule on its first ever case in over a decade, which revolves around New York City's extremely restrictive concealed carry rules. And while that specifically doesn't have to do with any issues being debated across the country right now, it will give valuable information about how the court leans. But yeah, ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching, being a part of the conversation. If you want more news, I got you covered right here. But of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you next time.